Hello and welcome to Vocal, a show by Sounder where we chat with thriving podcasters to uncover stories and actionable insights that can help other creators sharpen their craft. If you're interested in going behind the scenes of a podcaster's journey, discovering growth tactics that actually worked for the pros, and learning from a diverse range of experts in many fields, you're in the right place. I'm Jackie O, your host for this episode. Hello and welcome. Today I'm being joined by Travis Tyler, the senior digital content producer at PandaDoc and host of their B2B podcast, Customer Engagement Lab. Business content and podcasts often face the issue of being too dry, informational, or boring to perform well online and attract an audience for the company. Travis is tackling the fight to make B2B fun head on, emphasizing comedy and pushing the boundaries of what's acceptable in a business podcast. In just one year, Travis has grown his show from what started as a $0 project with a broken mic into a full-on marketing branch for PandaDoc with a 100k production budget. Travis is a wealth of knowledge in the B2B podcast and marketing space, and we hope that this interview will inspire many in the audio community on their own journeys. And with that... Thanks, Jackie, for having me on the show. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm, I'm ready to get into it. Let's do it. So... Beating Zoom fatigue, you said that you had a special solution for this on-the-rise remote work issue. What is it? Oh, man. Did I say I had something to beat it? Yeah. And I have what Um, you wrote, but I want to see if that's still what you're going to (laughs) say. When it comes to podcasting? Zoom meeting fatigue. Oh, man. Just tell me what I wrote. I'm so sorry. You said sardines and Belarusian sweets. Like, who am I? What's wrong with me? Um, I did a mukbang episode of the podcast um, (laughs) where we ate Belarusian sardines and candies on camera with our co-founder, who's from Belarus. Um, Sergey Beresuk is is the co-founder of Panadoc. And yeah, Zoom fatigue is real. And I was tired of watching Zoom webinars and being in Zooms. So I was like, I'm going to do just something off the wall. I went to a local Russian uh, grocery store um, or Belarusian grocery store in, in Tampa Bay, Florida, which was harder to find than you'd think. And I asked the guy behind the counter who was not very friendly, what should I get and eat um, to impress my boss? And he just handed me a bunch of stuff. And then I just ate it on camera and almost got sick. The sardines were rough, but um, that was one way, I guess, <laughs> to beat. Zoom eat sardines with your boss. I'm actually going to meet my there boss for the first time, maybe tomorrow. So I'll just show up with a can and not tell him before he even hears this He's episode. He's going to be like, what is wrong with this person? <laughs> She's only been here a few months. Oh, my God. <laughs> Okay, so I was listening to your podcast and checking out a lot of your older content too. I really love how Mm -hmm. irreverent you and your co-host Patrick were. You make jokes about being exhausted at work, doing a terrible job on a project. You pop a bottle of champagne. Personal fave of mine was your segment on LinkedIn trauma resume on your own LinkedIn trauma resume. That one was so good. And... (laughs) But it can be like, you know, because brands also think about their employer branding and things like that. How did you get the green light with PandaDoc to like express yourself and push boundaries um, within the brand with that level of freedom? It was hard and it didn't come without some discussions and conversations, but essentially 
we had some marketing leadership, CMO, VP of marketing, director levels that were like, hey, the written word content you're doing is great, but we want more multimedia content. We want to do a podcast. And I said, well, we've already been doing a podcast. Um, and it's just been kind of like your standard, you know, B2B business interview stuff. We talk about sales. And they said, okay, how can we make it better? And I said, I want to get on camera. And they said, okay. And they said, what do you want to do? And I said, I want to make it a business comedy show. And they raised an eyebrow many a time. And I said, look, I listen to a lot of podcasts. I'm sure that at this company, I listen to more podcasts than anybody. And if we're going to do something and we're going to go all in on it, we need to do something that hasn't been done before. And it can't just be like what everybody else is doing. We have to have a unique stance and point of view. And most importantly, we really need to think about the format of the show um, because everyone and their mother is doing a podcast and it can get a little bit um, dry at times. And I said, I want it to be 50% educational, 50% comedy. And they said, how about 70, 30? And then I said, no. And I was like, the worst kind of comedy is when you don't go all in on it. Trust me on this. It doesn't land and it feels fake and forced and everybody's uncomfortable and most people aren't laughing. I said the best content in the world is content that ruffles a few feathers that not everybody agrees with that starts a conversation and that's the kind of stuff that goes viral. Um, and that's what we're aiming to do. And we started with a shoestring budget of Literally $0. I used a Yeti microphone I had found at Panadoc's office in storage before we went to working remotely. Uh, and I used a broken table at an apartment that my CMO was renting at the time because he was going back and forth uh, between Tampa Bay, Florida and Indianapolis. And um, I used my phone to record the first uh, proof of concept episode. And it was rough. It was terrible. Um, I was uncomfortable. I was sweating a lot. I was nervous and I, I tried my best to outline an episode that would be what I set out to be 40%, you know, comedy, 60% uh, educational or 50, 50 or whatever you want to call it. Mm -hmm. And I showed the proof of concept to my director, my manager and my VP. And I said, I'm open to feedback before we hit record and publish an actual episode. And we went really all out on this concept episode. And it's never been aired. Maybe I can find it one day and dig it up and share it with everyone. Um, but it's a lot. it was a lot easier. I learned this along the way. It's a lot easier for people to give you feedback on a proof of concept than it is on an outline on a Google Doc. Mm -hmm. And so that's what we did. And that's how we got the green light. Have you had any pushback like along the way or maybe in the first, you know, 20 episodes as they're really seeing a lot of this type of content go live? Like, would it, did you get pushback within your own team that you like dug your heels in? Yeah, absolutely. And I had to figure out how to pick my battles and uh, also figure out where they were coming from too. The first one was I made um, some jokes during an opener for one of the episodes um, that was bathroom, bathroom humor, improv, you know, comedians call it blue humor. Mm -hmm. And, um, my VP didn't like it. He thought it was stupid, thought it was gross. And he didn't think it added any value to the show. 
And um, he told my director, who then called me and was like, hey, man, um, so there was this one joke. And um, so I was like, hey, man, all good. You don't know where the boundary is until you cross it. And I said, appreciate the feedback. I did not take it personally. I thought it was funny to to know that that's what like kind of where the line was. And um, I don't know. I kind of think it was like myself as like the younger sibling to my bosses. And I'm just like here to push buttons and see what I can get away with until I can't anymore. Mm-hmm. And so that's, that's kind of the mindset I uh, adopted. And they really appreciated it. And, you know, from the time that I was hired, I was told that my role was to really push the boundaries. And I embraced that. And every time I got pushback, um, I told them I was hired to push boundaries. If you don't like it, then why did you tell me that? Um, and I haven't gotten very much pushback from since then. The only other thing I would say in the first 20 episodes was we had just people at the company, just like a handful, maybe one or two people who said, I don't understand why you're doing trying to be funny our brand is not funny and my response to that was um, you don't start out funny you just it develops over time right and we think that taking a uh, brand voice and uh, brand identity that is whimsical and fun is part of our founder's vision the company's called panda doc it's not called you know DocuSign. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's fun. It's playful. And sure. um, one of the core values of the company is have fun. It's literally in the code of our company to have fun. So that is my response to them is if you don't want to have fun, that's okay. You don't have to. Um, but we're going to have fun. And we think it works. For sure. No, I mean, I, re- I really like that from proof of concept to, you know, f- ask for forgiveness rather than permission in terms of your, your content and your humor risks and, and yeah, find defining that boundary with your team, right. Which seems to be some type of bathroom blue humor, which is whatever. Um, that's cool. I mean, I give them a lot of props. I mean, I I can imagine other brands being like, like just too afraid and, you know, now just, you know, talking about something we were discussing right before we got into our interview, your zero to hero moment after all of that, you know, having to do the proof of concept, starting with the broken mic in a, at a desk in someone else's apartment to now it's like yep. a year and a half later having a 100K production budget for your podcast. Yep. Can you walk us through a little bit how that transformation happened? Was there a tipping point? What, what did they realize like and when? that tipping point where they're like, oh, this is really working. This is big for us. We're going to invest in this type of content with Travis more. Yeah. I think one of the biggest mistakes people make, especially in marketing, is they don't cheerlead their work. And what I mean by that is you have to really get out there and promote your content and promote your own work and your own effort uh, internally. So I am constantly posting on internal slack channels with ideas questions linkedin posts videos from the podcast photos from the podcast and to some i might be annoying and that's okay because as soon as i think that i'm getting annoyed of myself i think is when people are finally starting to hear the message and senior leadership started to take notice of what i was doing from the get-go I involved four of our executives um, 
in being part of the show. I had our very first interview was with our CEO, Makita. Um, I think later in episode, maybe like four or five or six, I can't remember. I had our other co-founder, Sergey, the CTO, uh, be interviewed. And I got them to be involved in it and understand what we're doing. And they made announcements at all hands company meetings. We have a podcast now. Go check it out. Give us a rating on, on Apple. And once folks started to see that, and I doubled down on my own personal brand of posting about the podcast, um, my bosses started getting messages. That Travis is something else. That episode was hilarious. Or did you see that clip from your teammate? Those types of conversations were happening. I wasn't even like privy to until my bosses were like, "You get your name gets dropped a lot in the leadership channel on Slack and on leadership meetings. And that's a good sign. Mm-hmm. And people just liked what I was doing. And once that happened and we combined that with a, a hard look at some of the metrics, we hit 20,000 downloads total. I think after about a year of podcasting, we uh, saw that LinkedIn was our number one source of organic traffic. And that's where the vast majority of people were interacting with our podcast was through LinkedIn posts on both my personal LinkedIn account and on the brand account. Mm -hmm. And LinkedIn was also the number one um, channel and source for converting organic traffic. And we were like, okay, our audience is here. We're getting a buttload of web traffic. These posts are performing really well. And um, that was uh, really important for like our demand gen team who is hyper-focused on pipeline and revenue and making it scalable and repeatable Mm -hmm. uh, for them to see like, hey guys, just because we can't track every time somebody watches an episode and becomes a customer doesn't mean there isn't quantitative value to what we're doing. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, just getting the culture, chiseling away at the culture in our organization uh, one day at a time and one executive and one person of power at a time to understand that a that brand building exercises have value and are very important. And this podcast is one of the best brand building exercises we have going for us. And that solidified it. No, absolutely. And that's something with marketing and attribution and like trying to get everything to be super quantizable, but those really like standout human moments that are also just making people fall in love with the brand and even through the team members of the brand. That's huge. And it absolutely does work. Mm -hmm. Like I love that people were responsive to it. Um, Panadoc looks like it's growing pretty quickly. And when looking at the structure across marketing, sales, creative content, what have been the major drivers either in one department or like a harmonious system that you guys built for your inbound marketing that's had the biggest impact on Panadoc's growth? Yeah, so one of the things that we're continuing to focus on is are free trial conversions. Pandadoc is a SaaS tool, and we we offer a free trial and a freemium product. And improving the conversion rates of somebody who's like, hey, I'm going to try this out for free, to somebody who signs up and pays and becomes, you know, a monthly recurring revenue or annual recurring revenue stream uh, for us as a business. And it started in marketing, and it started with, making small tweaks to our customer journey. I think one of the coolest things we did was hire someone to be a secret shopper for PandaDoc and go through 
um, the entire journey from start to finish as both a free trialist and as somebody who you know hand raised and requested a demo and worked with a sales rep and just kind of seeing where a lot of the gaps are and where there's room for improvement when it comes to uh, sales marketing email automated cadences and outreach to actually using the product itself and that's a tough job um the guy that does it at our company right now his name is is Nick Cisco and he wasn't very popular because people are really tied to the thing they've worked on and for him to come in and say hey no offense but this is not a great experience um that ruffled a lot of feathers a lot of people didn't like that um but you don't know what's going on until you don't until you shine a light on it and mm-hmm. he really did that and so that's been really good at getting cross departmental communication to happen and i would say the strongest improvement has been between marketing ops and sales and being able to refine and update our scoring our lead scoring mm-hmm. there we go my camera has a 30 minute timer okay um yeah so being able to refine like our lead scoring and how those leads get fed to our reps was instrumental for us. Um, and if you want to learn more about it, you can listen to our customer engagement lab episode called Easier Than Buying a Tesla, where we talk about that. For sure. Quick plug. Yeah, get the get the deep dive. No, but that's <laughs> so nice. You're absolutely right. And your team is so right that we get emotionally attached to what we make and then we also can't see the details of what we made because we've been so in it and so having that person come in and and building your your team system around those notes shout out to that guy for being willing to be the the man in the line of fire yeah he was not courageous business soldiers (laughs) out here yeah (laughs) um so you first went to therapy when you were 25 And struggling with mental health while being a content creator can be especially difficult because you have to be ready to perform and be on camera and bring positivity and Mm -hmm. energy and humor. So now, how do you navigate personal issues and low periods when you have to stay sharp and, you know, deliver that comedic performance every week? Yeah, that's a really great question. Uh, Mental health and therapy is near and dear to my heart. And something I'm very passionate about. Um, the way I navigate it personally is uh, being medicated and sticking to my medications. Word, me too. And not drinking. <laughs> it makes a big difference. <laughs> no, it made a huge... I was really anti-medication and then I took it and I was like, you should not have been anti-medication for so long. <laughs> <laughs> I was too. I was very resistant. I remember sitting in my um, therapist's office and he was like, dude, you have a lot of anxiety. You have a lot going on. And um, the way he broke it down for me, because I was very, I was like, I can tough it out. He's like, sure you can. You can meditate for an hour a day. You can ensure you get eight to nine hours of sleep. You can completely cut out alcohol. You can exercise for 45 minutes a day and you can continue to see me. Um, and you'll, you'll do better for sure. Um, but let me ask you a question. Why do you wear glasses? And I was like, what? And he was like, why do you wear glasses? I was like, so I can see better. And he's like, is there a stigma behind people that wear glasses? And I was like, no. He's like, you see where I'm going with this? And I was like, 
yes. And he's like, there is, there is no reason and no shame in the medication game. Um, and just like there's no shame in people who wear glasses to see better, there should be um, no shame in people who are, you know, using medication to help cope better with their genetic, you know, predisposition to anxiety or depression. And um, yeah, I would say that's the way I, I really am able to stay balanced is, and these medications don't work. A lot of people don't know this if you drink alcohol. Um, so I allow myself on occasion to indulge and celebrate, but that, the way I do best is to just um, stay away from it and find other ways, you know, to wind down on a work day or have fun on a weekend. And um, the other part that I'll add to this that I heard recently on another podcast that my wife turned me on to called Las Doctoras, um, which nice. is really a hilarious podcast. Uh, they talk about their creative process and honoring their creative process. And this is something that I didn't understand or have the language to really um, put into practice until I'd heard them talk about it. But they were like, there are a lot of things that need to happen in order for you to be at the right you know, frame of mind to start creating things. Just like an athlete needs to do a warm up and a stretch and to do ice baths and to, you know, use their um, their little massage therapy gun and take their CBD oils or whatever. All these different things that they're doing to get ready for the game mm-hmm. is the same thing that people who are producing content also need to do. But whether it's, you know, the pressure that you're putting on yourself the pressure that maybe your family ingrained in you or whatever it might be, uh, you think that any non-productive time is being wasted. So I would beat myself up for taking naps every day because I work from home and I was like, wow, what a lazy, you know, piece of shit am I for taking a nap? And now I have a completely different outlook. Before I can sit down and create content and outline ideas and TikTok videos and podcast episodes There are so many things that have to align before I can get there. Mm -hmm. My house needs to be clean and tidy. So I've got to go make the bed, make sure there's no dishes in that, in that sink. I've got to, um, make sure I'm not overly caffeinated, but not under caffeinated, finding like that perfect balance. I need to make sure that I'm not too sleepy. So whether I've taken a nap, got a full night's, you know, rest and, Um, A deadline also helps too. And knowing that I've got a certain deadline to hit. um, But yeah, just taking care of all of those things before I can sit down. And none of those are a waste of time at all. Those are all super valuable and important. And so those would be my two responses to you. Yeah, I had seen your LinkedIn post about your your creative process and making that space for yourself. And I thought it was great. And and again, like especially in business, there's just sometimes a lack of understanding for creative work and the qualitative yep. things and everything that goes into the creation, execution, syndication, everything. And did you get pushback for that? Like talking about your creative process and naps, like everyone's fine. I mean, I, Nobody, I, I would almost think that like, I would be like, if that was my process, I would feel the way that you did. I would be like, I would be scared to tell someone that I did that as a part of my workflow. Even if I like when I heard you say it, I'm like, I totally understand where he's coming from or like the bike rides or something. You have to yeah. open that creative mind, let your unconscious kind of bubble up a little bit. But I was like, when I look at just how like vulnerable and transparent you are on your on like 
your process, on everything on LinkedIn. I mean, I'm, you're saying that you didn't get pushback. So maybe it is partially that you feel really secure in your team and like understood and seen. Absolutely. Um, none of those things can be possible until you find a culture um, that embraces those and encourages those. And I wasn't, um, I was not in a place a couple of years ago to be able to say those things comfortably at other jobs and with other cultures, mm -hmm. but I am now and I hope that others can encourage that too. And if anybody who's listening to this is a leader within the organization or is a founder, um, I heard the CEO of Airbnb say this during an interview when his company was facing a lot of uh, turbulence when COVID hit. And he said that uh, as CEO, a lot of people think that I have all this power and I can do all these things and I'm, I'm the generator of ideas. And um, that's one of the biggest misconceptions about being a founder or a leader or a CEO. And instead, the best thing I can do is set the culture and set the tone for the culture at my company. And luckily, I'm at an organization where my CEO, my CTO, my founders, my executive team have set a culture um, that embraces rest and embraces and understands the creative process. And I also had to like work a couple of years here to get respect on my name, mm -hmm. if you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. And then I felt comfortable mm -hmm. um, to be able to say these things. And so Absolutely. I would not encourage somebody who is like brand new to job to just come in like blunt, you know, guns blazing. Like this is what I'm gonna, I'm gonna nap every day and there's nothing you can say about it. Like, no, that is not what I am encouraging. I can't um, attend this all. meeting. That's my creative nap period. <laughs> yeah, I would not do that. <laughs> That's so good. Yeah. Okay, so moving into some tips for podcasters and you know things about your podcasting experience. Um, you mentioned to me that you have a very special approach for inviting guests to the podcast. That I mean, I probably I'll probably learn from it too, to be honest. So how do you yeah, win? Right how do you win over the hearts of a of a target candidate? So one of the ways that I do that is by um, recording a one minute video, and I embed that video. It's a in, uh, I upload it onto Wistia, and I usually make the thumbnail in Photoshop with like you know me waving and then like um, the picture of my guest and maybe a logo from their company or whatever. And then I embed it into a Panda doc and then I message them on LinkedIn via email um, and I send them the video and I say, hey, I made a video. I would love to have you come on the podcast. Let me know if it's a thumbs up or thumbs down. And if it's a thumbs up, I then send them the Panda doc and then inside the Panda doc is about me, about what the episode is, what the time commitment answers, all the questions, scheduling links, all kind of put into one nice package. Um, to show them that we're legit and that uh, this is not going to be a waste of their time. And the videos, um, they used to be funnier than they are now. I still try to be a little bit goofy, but when I was first starting out, I was really trying to think outside the box. And I would doodle um, a portrait of my of this person. And it was awful. And it looked like a, you know, a four-year-old uh, did it. And um, shout out to all my four-year-olds with crayons. And it theirs would look better than mine, and Business I would like, hold it up and be future. like, 
exactly. And I would hold it up into the camera and be like, um, I hope this made you laugh. I would love to have you come on the show and you can, um, you can keep this drawing of yourself that I made for you as a, as a memento. And yeah, it's gotten really good feedback. Um, I just did it this past week, inviting a professor from my college to come meet me at the studio and record with me. And, um, the response was like, wow, what a fun way to, you know, to invite me onto a show. Can't wait to do it. And it also gives them a flair for like me and to hear and see my personality uh, before we even have to sit down. So they're more comfortable and understanding of like what they're getting into. That sounds great. That's really creative. Um, and then for legal reasons, um, we also have them, you know, they get to see Panadoc. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, for sales reasons, they get to see Panadoc. And if they would need a tool like that, and then they get the exposure to it from like a sales point of view. And then the, for legal reasons, um, I do have them fill out a um, just like a disclosure for like they're they are agreeing to let us, you know, take pictures of them and video and to publish it and use their name and likeness and da 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 da. Um, and so all of that gets collected and they can't really come on the show until they've completed the Panda doc and then it's digitally saved forever. Um, and then I can share it with my legal team as needed. Okay. I've taken many mental notes from this one. So thank you. Um, if you have any, I'm happy to share it with anybody that wants to see it, like feel free to just DM me. I'll send you the Panda doc template. Yeah. I mean, if you can send me a link to it, I can put it in the blog post. It's going to be attached to this podcast too. And like the show notes, um, that'll be great. I'll follow up with you. For sure. So for other people looking to start a B2B podcast for their business, what advice would you have for helping them sort of find the right angle and being able to present the value of that type of show and project to their leadership? I think the biggest, like three things you can do. One, like we talked about, got to have a proof of concept. Just Mm -hmm. record something. Just record something with somebody and ask for feedback on it. And show that you want to do this. Don't just have it sitting in a Google Doc with, you know, um, milestones and goals and dates. That is also important. And I did do that. Um, But the proof of concept is really what sold everybody. And being like, all right, let's give Mm -hmm. this a shot. Um, The second piece is don't give up. Um, The average podcast, I think it was like 70% of podcasts give up after episode seven. Um, so when you make it past episode seven, you are in the, you know, 30% minority of people who keep going. Um, and the third thing would be, you really need to have a point of view and you really need to show up, um, and have either the person who is doing the podcast, um, to have a specific point of view that is unique and offers value to an audience, um, but they also need to be like likable, right? Or like, mm-hmm. uh, like professorial or something. Like they need to offer mm-hmm. something. Um, it, you don't want somebody that's just like super boring and dry. Um, even if they're the CEO and super smart, if they're not engaging, they're not engaging. Um, mm-hmm. And you need to have somebody who uh, brings that entertainment value to this. At the end of the day, that's what podcasts were, were created. They were created to be entertaining. Um, and entertaining can be educational. It can be informative. It can be inspiring. It can be dramatic. It can be scary, thrilling, funny. Um, you name it and set your tone. Um, so that would be my advice. Um, 
on that. And then a little bonus would be there is a great book out there that I myself have only read like 50 pages of and need to finish. Um, but the folks over at NPR who do, I think, the best podcasting um, in the world um, wrote a book on it. And um, the guy that started Pop Culture Happy Hour on NPR, which is a really fun podcast to listen to, um, his name is Glenn something. I can't remember. But anyway, just mm-hmm. Google Glenn NPR podcasting book. You'll find it. Mm-hmm. Um, great read. And for just getting started with your podcast, figuring out your name, um, and just dipping your toe in the water. You don't have to go all in. You can test things out for a year before you start your own show. You can hop on board on somebody else's show. Uh, that's another great tip that I give people. We did that. Uh, we produ- we co-produced a show for a full year as just a guest speaker uh, to understand the rhythm and cadence and work that goes into podcasting on a weekly show on a weekly basis. So uh, don't you know? Don't be too thinking you need to buy ten thousand dollars worth of equipment and just dive right in. Like, hop onto somebody's show as a co-producer. Ask them if you can do a mini series on their show. Super easy way to get started. Mm-hmm. Yeah, learn in public. Don't be afraid. Um, yeah. For for podcasters without producers or a studio, and they're kind of back where you were when you started out. What are the key, because now that you've seen both sides of the coin, what are the key actions that they should focus on to create success for themselves and that podcast when they're that, you know, one man or very small team? One man, one woman show. Mm -hmm. Um, That's a good one. Um, You got to be scrappy. And by be scrappy, I mean, you got to just like, you got to learn how to Google the right things to learn how to edit footage on iMovie, which is a free software that comes with your MacBook, if that's mm-hmm. all you've got. Um, if you've got a little budget, get a tool like Descript. Um, if you're doing an audio-only podcast, Descript's a great tool. We don't use it because of how complex our videography is and the amount of layers of animation and um, clips that we use. Otherwise, we would use it, but you know, audio editing tools like that can make it a lot easier Uh, for your team and I think the last thing would be build up a queue and I'm still struggling with this I am very um, self-diagnosed ADHD and like very much uh, not the most organized person in the world and building up a queue is the best thing that you can absolutely do and what I mean by that is recording several episodes at once um in order to release them over time and be consistent with your release schedule. Mm-hmm. I've run into a number of issues where I was backlogged and I just ran out of time and couldn't get an episode out. Um, and that sucks and you feel like a failure. So build up that queue, record two at a time if you can, and try to do that every two weeks if you're trying to do a weekly podcast and get those suckers out um, so that you have enough time to devote on the uh, syndication part of it and, and releasing all that content for sure um yeah what's the now that you do have a team what's been the big change in terms of your experience as like in your creative process as a podcaster and, and sort of your operations like um we were able to up level the quality of the actual podcast and free me up to focus solely on the content and um, that was a conversation, you know, where I was very honest with my team about like, hey guys, I'm burnt out. 
Um, I'm, I'm crying. I'm staying up too late. I can't sleep. I'm feeling overwhelmed. And um, I don't know what to do because running a podcast is, uh, is exhausting. And um, we brainstormed about where I needed help. And so now we lean on our design team. We have an internal design team of about like eight members here at PandaDoc. We hired a video animation agency um, that we pay per episode to deliver, you know, eight to 10 different video assets per episode. Um, And then we also now record out of a professional studio uh, for the first time in three years of doing podcasting. I'm able to just show up and be very um, focused on my guest and focused on the content and not having to run around to each DSLR camera and reset it after it hits the 30 minute timer or having to hit re-record and recording the whole episode all over again because you realize that one of your audio cables wasn't plugged in all the way. Um, that has happened to me a number of times. So now I show up with a three camera setup on a studio with multiple microphones and lights and a cool set and I have a video and audio engineer in the room with me that take care of it and um, it's pretty sweet still now that you have more of this time to sort of ideate your show and and prep for interviews how do you prepare for your guests and, and come up with your ideas yeah I create an outline um in google docs and I try to align it with what my team has going for that quarter. So if we're working on a Mm -hmm. specific marketing campaign or a launch or we're trying to focus on a new segment, whatever it might be, um, I'll try to align my guest um, with that. And then once I I have an idea um, of the theme for that episode, I'll try to find a guest that matches it on LinkedIn. I'll do my nifty little outreach that I mentioned. And I'll outline the episode in Google Docs by doing a buttload of research, um, coming up with, you know, five, six, seven, eight good solid questions, um, and then dedicating some time to a fun icebreaker for the episode. So most of my episodes, I try to have a TikTok clip that I've created myself to make the guests laugh and just kind of set the tone for the episode. And I'll play those as just kind of like a welcome to the show. Um... And then I present those outlines to the guest, usually a day or two before the episode. And I say, hey, just take a look. Don't no, don't spend too much time thinking about the answers to this. I don't want you to sound too scripted. I don't want you to be reading off of anything at all. Um, but I do want you to just be comfortable of what's coming your way and, and um, what you're going to be facing. And then once I record the episode, I take all the raw footage. It's um, given to me via a link on frame.io, which is a cool tool. I send that over to... Um, monday.com which is our project management tool i tag all the necessary team members of animators and designers and project managers and i set a publication date give all the details um, abstract synopsis of the episode and then a set live publication date it's usually two three weeks post recording and we just kind of work our way towards there select the uh, teaser footage that we want to use for different formats on tiktok youtube Instagram, LinkedIn, and those are usually 30 second to 90 second clips uh, that we feel just kind of like strongly represent the episode and will stop people in mid scroll to actually tune in and check us out. And then we publish the sucker. Um, And then publishing it is also like a whole nother 
We could have a whole episode talking about how we publish and what goes into a launch and stuff. No, yeah, but thank you. I love the the peek into the pro process. And yeah, for anybody interested yeah. in doing this type of B2B podcast, go look at Travis's early days of video episodes and what he's doing now because it's pretty amazing how much it's like evolved. Dude, it's cool for people to see that. Yeah. Okay, so then just to just to wrap like wrap up, is there anything that you want to share about Panadoc, the customer engagement lab, any upcoming projects? And then if people want to reach out to you, what's the best way to do so? Yeah, it's been awesome to come on here. I love talking shop. Um, Jackie, you have just like a calming, awesome presence. And I'm excited to listen, um, not to my episode, but to more of the episodes that you do because that energy and vibe is good for my soul. And um, yeah, I think, look, podcasting is fun. It's exhausting. It takes a lot of more work than people realize, but it can be extremely rewarding from both a personal and professional uh, aspect. Mm-hmm. You have probably 10 people who are now Panadoc customers because they came on my show. Um, but that was never the intent, but it's just kind of a cool byproduct that I like to, you know, be able to show my team. And yeah, I think I go by the motto in life and in business that my dad taught me at a very early ages, which, which is if you're not having fun, what are you doing? And I know not everybody is blessed with you know, a situation where they're not everybody in life is blessed with a situation where they can have fun at work. Um, but if you can try to find something to have fun, podcasting can be one of those endeavors. So try to have some fun with it. For sure. And then if people want to reach out, is LinkedIn best? It's the best way. Hit me up in the DMs. We can dive deep. I'm happy to share open book to all the stuff we do. Um, some of it's boring. Some of it's cool. For sure. Thank you so much, Travis, for coming on and also back at you about like good for the soul vibe thing. Like since I since we connected on LinkedIn, just like watching your content and everything that you're doing, it's it's helped me a lot in different ways with my own mental blocks and where I'm at in my like business journey. So just thank you. Thank you for doing that. Um, yes, yeah, Just really putting yourself out there that way. Thank you. I appreciate that. Thank and um, I'm excited to see you posting and doing some stuff. Sounder is a great tool. Shout out. We use Sounder. Um, so yeah, keep it going. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Vocal Podcast. If you're a podcaster with Sounder who would like to be featured in this show, you can email our team at vocal at sounder.fm. That's V-O-C-A-L at S-O-U-N-D-E-R dot F-M. Until next time.